Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months, or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. I am delighted to have as our guest in this penultimate episode of 2020, Mark Hurtling. This is Mark's fourth time on Explore the Space podcast. For those of you who have heard him before, he is absolutely riveting, and the conversations that we have had around leadership are absolutely fantastic. There is a link to the archive of Mark's appearances in the show notes, but each episode is a standalone, and this one is no different. You don't have to have listened to his previous episodes to fully engage with this one, but if you want to go back and check them out, I highly recommend it. Mark is a retired three-star general in the United States Army who, since his retirement, has really immersed himself in helping to guide and grow and expand the breadth and depth of leadership knowledge in healthcare. At the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, he came on the show to discuss leadership in a crisis and lessons from the battlefield, and it was absolutely riveting. And he joins us now where we find ourselves at this strange inflection point, and we discuss this idea of inflection point leadership. We are dealing with the surging pandemic as we cross over into 2021, where at the same time, we are celebrating the arrival of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. It's a very strange place to be attempting to lead and Mark's insights around inflection point leadership are absolutely extraordinary. And I think you will really enjoy this episode. Before we get to our conversation with Mark, we'd just like to invite all of you, please do check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can email me anytime, Mark at Explore the Space Show. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS Show. And please do subscribe to Explore the Space wherever you like to download your podcast. And please leave us that rating and review really helps us out. We spend a lot of time discussing leadership on Explore the Space podcast. It's never been more important. It will continue to be so the way Mark frames this idea of inflection point leadership as we move into 2021, as we move into this next part of the pandemic is absolutely essential. I think you are really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, Mark Hurtling. Mark, welcome back to Explore the Space. I'm happy that you're here and we have some work to do. So thank you for coming back on. 
Well, I, I got to share first, Mark, before we go into what I'm sure are going to be some great questions from you. I, I just want to congratulate you and thank you very much for having the kinds of people that you've had on this show over the last year, because you have had some phenomenal brains who have really put things into living room language. And I think it has contributed significantly to the way the healthcare community is dealing with the things they've been asked to, to deal with. And the, the public service that you are providing to your fellow professionals is way beyond the pale. And as a non-healthcare professional, someone who's not a doctor, all I can say is I know how much of an effect you're having. And, and I just want to personally thank you for all your colleagues for the work you've done over the last couple of months. That is an incredible comment. I really, really appreciate that, Mark. Thank you. And I really like that living room language. It's that idea of meeting people where they live and it's never been more important. We we like to, we all have our jargon in our profession. We all have our own language that can sometimes exclude those who don't know it or make them feel unwelcome. And now in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and getting through the election and starting a new decade and all of these things, that sort of idea of meeting people where they live and that this is able to contribute to that, that's really meaningful. So I really appreciate it. Well, you deserve it and many times over. So so then this is why you're here, because when you and I talk and we're getting pretty good at this now, <laughs> I feel like we're able to get to that living room language fast. I don't feel like you have to check me or I have to check you because the medical jargon or the military jargon is taking over. And I think that's actually one of the strengths of this. I think that's one of the reasons people like it when you come on this show is your expertise precedes you, but we're just all sitting and having coffee together. And that that is critically important right now. Yeah, it is. It certainly is. These kinds of discussions where it's a combination of logic, reason, and passion are important in a, in a crisis like this. Logic, reason, and passion. That is. So that's what we want. To, that's what we're going to work from. That's our starting point because we're doing these episodes to wrap up the year on Explore the Space podcast. And I couldn't think of anyone better to walk us through the evolution of leadership that we're seeing within the practice of medicine throughout the United States as well. We're at this this strange point. We don't know if it's a midpoint. We don't know if it's phase two of five. We don't know if it's near the end. We just know that we're still in the midst of something. And the idea of, of logic and passion and, and energy, this is how we're going to move forward. In the space, though, because the, the leadership space in this incredible period of pressure and anxiety and transition, how important is leadership there? Is this the place where the leaders can dial it back and let things go? Or is this the place where the leaders and those who are doing the work really need to buckle down and focus? Well, you know, Mark, that's a great question, because in thinking what I was going to say to you when you asked me to come on again, I, I really reflected back on the other shows that we have done together, which you just introduced. A, a long, long time ago, before the, the pandemic hit, I think one of our first shows, we just talked about the elements of leadership and how an individual's character, how they are perceived by others and their intellect are the important attributes that a leader portrays and their competencies are built around how do they affirm trust with one another within their team? How do they develop others and how do they act in terms of accomplishing things? 
Well, that's under normal circumstances. And doctors, physicians, healthcare providers, clinicians, they are all, like any other profession, trying to learn those elements of leadership, the attributes and competencies, and apply them in day-to-day situations. The, the second time you asked me on, we were at the very early stages of the pandemic. And I think our conversation centered on crisis leadership and how you reach down into those elements of character, presence, and intellect and say what you believe in really shows through in a crisis because you can't fake it in a crisis. You have to rely on what you believe in and show it to your teammates. And especially in a crisis that demands expertise from the professionals, physicians were in a position where they had to step forward and be the experts. And unfortunately, sometimes those physicians that that are the experts were being overridden by some of the politicians or some of the administrators. And, And yet what I think we've seen over the last nine months of this pandemic is the true experts, the healthcare providers, the folks like you have stepped forward and said, no, no, here's what's really happening. Let's depend on the science And even though you've relied on the science to present your case, you've done it in 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 a way that that really exhibits your leadership from the standpoint of how do you communicate? How do you influence others? How do you get things done and how do you make things happen? So that's been phenomenal. Now, that's that's a long introduction to get back to your question, which is where are we now? I'd I'd say in what many are thinking is the last phase of this pandemic, and I'm not sure that's even a good descriptor, this is when leadership becomes the most important. And I'd I'd reflect back to my time as a soldier and saying that the latter part of any combat deployment is the most dangerous because that's when you start letting your guard down, where you start seeing where you think you're going and it's it's right up on you and you can you can you can feel like you can relax a little bit because you've made it this far. And truthfully, Mark, that's that's when I've seen the worst things happen is when people start letting their guard down and thinking it's all all over. So this particular phase of the pandemic, I mean, I hate to break this news to you and all your listeners that are physicians, but this is the most important phase because this, this is the phase that requires the most passionate leadership, the most informed and rational leadership and leaders who apply logic to persuade other people to do the things that they don't want to do as they run toward the tape. And and as you and I have talked about, real leaders know you never run toward the tape, you run through the tape. And, And that's what all your colleagues in the medical profession have to do right now. They have to set their goal on running through the tape as we reach what we believe is the end of this of this pandemic, because there's a whole lot more to go. I had that sick feeling in my stomach that you get when you're like the roller coaster drops out or something. You just get that surge of adrenaline because what you were just describing of this being the most important phase and the critical phase and making sure that logic prevails and that there's clear guidance to get people to do things that they don't want to do. I've made it pretty clear on this podcast where, you know, where I wanted things to go with the 2020 presidential election. But if it hadn't gone the way that it's gone and we weren't getting the messages that we're getting from the transition 
office, this would have been really scary to hear you say that. It was scary enough, but it was that, my gosh, what a branch point because it's getting people to do things they don't want to do. It's not so much those in healthcare right now, although that's part of the work. It's it's getting those who are in the living room with us to to come along and finish strong and, and go through the tape. That's a monstrous challenge. And boy, you just it gave me that like cold feeling of whew, that was <laughs> this could have been way worse. Well, you, you know what, though, Mark, I, I tell you, I think if I were to do an assessment right now of of how things have gone over the last nine months, you know, I, I think in being honest, I would say our politicians really screwed it up. For the most part, the majority of our politicians really screwed it up. I mean, (laughs) I'm in Florida, so I can definitely say that. Uh, But what I have to say, though, is the healthcare providers, your colleagues, the physicians, the nurses, the administrators, the clinicians, the folks who who have been right in the middle of this have been the focus of common sense. And they have been the ones who have stood firm in what they have been telling people. They have been the light in the darkness throughout this thing. And it's been phenomenal to see. Uh, I think, you know, in the past, a lot of people have, have given great kudos and benefit to the military for being the most professional of organizations. You all have way surpassed that in your actions over the last nine months. You have relied on the science and yet communicated to a, to a degree that people get it. But there have been a lot of naysayers and contrarians and those who would like to subdue your messages. But you have stood strong. And when I say you, I'm talking the collective you um, in, in terms of how you have verbalized and how you have messaged. So all of that is important. I think it is important. And it brings me to this idea of looking forward as we verbalize and we share one of the things that we are verbalizing and sharing a lot about as you and I are recording this is the arrival of the COVID-19 vaccine. So this is an incredible tool. There is tremendous excitement in the medical community around it. When you have an opportunity, when, when a resource is placed at your disposal like this, that can really impact what you're trying to accomplish. Do you like to see leaders really allow that enthusiasm from those that they're leading to really manifest itself with vigor? Do you like to, on the other hand, invite people to maybe ratchet it back a little bit? Do you kind of take it? Do you have to be agile? Like, where do you, where would you like to see these expressions of excitement on this population level across the country? Where would you like to see leaders kind of help to steer that, help to grow it, help to move it? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because in my view, and I've experienced this in combat deployments, the arrival of the vaccine, and and this is an overused expression, Mark, so please allow me to use it, but explain it. It causes an inflection point. That's the overused expression. Okay. It can not only give you a, a great positive boost, but at the same time, it can be your worst enemy. What do I mean by that? Well, if if you're at an inflection point, it, you're starting to balance a whole bunch of things. The, the, the vaccine gives everyone hope 
But at the same time, as as we've talked about before, it also creates anxiety because even though healthcare professionals are starting to get the vaccine right now, you know all the people you're dealing with haven't received the vaccine yet, and it's still going to take a long time. So you're hopeful about what it will do for you, but you still know there is the strong possibility that you're going to be interacting with people who don't have it and still succumbing to to the disease. You know, you have the competing issue of, hey, the end is near, you know, we're almost there, but at the same time, you're thinking to yourself, but criminy, there's lots to do. We still have months of this and we're extremely tired right now. So we we would like to let our guard down, but we can't just yet. So that's a competing demand. You have the experience of the fatigue that you all have lived through and the trauma, and now you're facing more fatigue. Uh, because even though you have, you know, you're getting your in- injection next week, but you're still gonna be working your butt off uh, until this thing is completely completely under control and you know for a fact that's many months away. And then, you know, what you just talked about, I'll, I'll go into politics a little bit. We're all very relieved that it appears we're about to have a new administration that is taking all of this very seriously and they've they've put the experts and the scientists and those who know what they're doing at the forefront. So that indicates to many, the uninformed, if you will, that things are going to get better as soon as January 20th occurs. We know that's not true. They've still got a long road to hoe uh, in terms of getting the vaccine out, making sure it's in people's arms, having 300 million people get this vaccine, if that's how many they distribute. So there is this hope, certainly, and it comes with the the, the measure of, of having a vaccine that we know is going to hopefully solve this problem. But at the same time, there's a whole lot longer to go, which brings me back to that point we made earlier in the conversation. You can't stop at the tape. If the vaccine is the tape, you can't stop there. There's a whole lot of running after the tape that you've got to do to make sure things are complete. And that's what's going to that's going to be your enemy as much as your friend. So leaders recognize that and they continue to push through and realize there's a long way to go just yet. What I'm taking away from what you said that's actionable and I want to throw it to you and you can see if I'm if I'm getting this right, is that when we are then meeting with our teams and having conversations conversations at the nurse's station on the zoom conference call that it's important to acknowledge these inflection points but right next to that it's still hey today we're doing this tomorrow is this let's get those things done and stay focused putting them in close approximation so that yes we're acknowledging we're excited and that things will be different but let's stay focused on exactly what's in front of us so that we continue to just be consistent and follow our process that i that i kind of take that on board correctly you got that exactly right. And if I can go back to our our podcast when I talked crisis leadership with you, remember what I said about one of the requirements for leaders in a crisis is they phase their operation. We have been through phase one, two, and we're currently in phase three. I'm thinking, and I'm going to throw this back to you, is there going to be a phase four? Is it going to get worse? 
I think there's the potential and all the scientists that I've listened to said it's probably going to get worse post Christmas because of people feeling they can get back together. So is that phase four? And what does that look like to the people who have to treat this disease? And then what about phase five? Is that when things start coming down and you're really in a dangerous position because whereas things are getting better, it's almost like the, the what you think is the end of a war, but there's a still a whole lot of fight left in the enemy and as soon as you I mean we're celebrating right now the anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge if you talk to the folks who fought in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II they thought the war against Germany was over in December of 1944 and suddenly a couple of tank divisions started attacking them in a place called Bastogne uh, in, in the northern part of Europe they had about four more months of fighting hard fighting left to do we are we are potentially facing our battle of the bulge right now as we go into this holiday period where people are going to want to get together just like they did at Thanksgiving. So, yes, I think we have to look toward a phase four and a phase five of this pandemic if if I'm giving advice as a leader and not as a doctor. One of the most influential people in my life, aside from my first degree family, my parents and my sister and my wife and my son, is a man that I grew up with who was a veteran of the Battle of the Bulge. He was decorated Mm -hmm. and he didn't talk much about his wartime experience until much later in his life. He's passed away now. But I saw how he conducted himself and how he talked about things. And so it's just really interesting that this person who had such a profound impact on, on my whole family as we all grew up, as I was growing up, that's where his service was. He arrived in Europe right before the battle and then he served all the way through till the end of the war. And uh, the analogy works for me in that way because it's just a reminder of that the right mindset will help move through those challenging things. But I, I think it's right. We can be enthusiastic, but I, I think that that sense of pragmatism of the next few months are going to be difficult. And then there's going to be something else. It's going to be dealing with people that have unanticipated long haul consequences of COVID. It's going to be dealing with a workforce that's really tired and battered. And yeah. it's going to just be sort of asked to do go back to work as usual when nothing's going to be usual after this. It's I, I just think that that steady hand that for those who are going to be in a place of leadership going forward, it's it's just being steady because there it's not over and it's we don't know how much there is left to do. I want it to be over. I want you and I, <laughs> I want to be yeah. you know flying to Gettysburg to go on a tour yeah. with you again. But it's we're not there yet. <laughs> right. We're just not right. there, and that is that has to be okay. I guess that's the point. As I'm kind of meandering, it's that has to be okay right now as we get ready for a new decade. Yeah, and and this is the point you made the point for me but I'm going to put it in different words. This is the time when a leader has to expect the unexpected. When a leader can't let down. When a leader wants to do the same thing that all of his, I'll use my vernacular, when all of his soldiers are saying, hey, come on, it's over. We can we can slack off a little bit. We can start relaxing. We can start having a whole lot of hope. The end is near. That's when the leader says, no, not so fast. We're still in this. Uh, you know, the enemy's still out there and we've still got a lot of work to do. We can rust when we know it's done. 
and unfortunately, I'd, I'd almost tell you, Mark, this phase and what phase might happen next is probably the hardest for any leaders within the, the profession of healthcare. This is where things are really going to get tough. But again, I think the smart folks that are out there, uh, the, the folks that that are coming in as part of the new administration, they realize that the fight's not over, that there's a whole lot of work that has to be done. But unfortunately, it's it's like a new commander taking over a battle-weary unit. Yeah. You know, everybody's been fighting for months and the new folks come in and they want you to work harder and you say, hey, come on, give us a break. Well, the, the ones that are wanting you to continue to work and have the focus of attention are the smart ones. So that's unfortunately, you all have to overcome the fatigue that you've experienced because it's what you do. One of the things that's motivating in doing that then is having some understanding of that, of what's going well and what can we do better. And yeah. so I would ask you, what would you say, just, just Broadly and globally, what would you say is one or maybe two things you have seen the, the, the profession of medicine do over the last nine months that you would say just exceeds expectations and it's something that really just needs to be hardwired? And then where is a place that you would say, look, as you know, a, an officer in the U.S. Army and as an American citizen and as someone who's very engaged in all of this, this is something we'd like to see you work to do different or work to do better. What would you say those things are? Yeah, the, and, and I won't speak for the entire profession or the industry of healthcare, that's for sure. But I can tell you in the organizations I've worked with over the last couple of months, I will say a couple of things. Number one, one of the best things that have happened has been that physicians have been asked to be part of the team again, uh, where they have been invited to the table in many organizations where they have been seen as, seen as leaders because of their expertise and because of their scientific methods. And they have been pushed to the forefront in terms of their ability to communicate. So that that is one very positive thing. One of the things I asked the, the team of physicians I work with here in Florida to, to look at early on, this was back in March, I asked them to keep comments on the things that they saw were different in, in what they were doing and what they wanted to keep when all of this was all over. And in fact, as you and I talked before, I asked them to keep a journal uh, to say, here are the things we adapted to and here is the way we adapted and became flexible. Now the important part is how do you how do you formalize those things and make them a part of the process and don't go back to old ways of doing business? Because all organizations will revert back to their stasis when when the crisis is over. The really good organizations take the lessons learned and keep applying them when the crisis is finished. So I'm seeing that within our organization and I'm seeing the physicians step up. I think that though, I know I asked you two questions, but I want to hold on that because that is one of the things that I am the most anxious about going forward is that we're going to revert to the mean. That all of this work, all of this agility, it's just going to be off and we'll go back to doing things the way that we did before. And that would be such a mistake. We have leveraged new leaders. We have developed new techniques. We have demonstrated so much energy and resilience and strength and tenacity and wherewithal to navigate this. If those, it's good that we have a seat at the table, as you, as you say, because it cannot go back to the way it used to be. The way it used to be 
has to be something now yeah. for the leather bound I, books on I'd the shelf. Say there's, I'll suggest that I'm, unfortunately I'm going to have to tamp down on your energy and your excitement about not returning to where you were because I love all, orga- they, all organizations do that. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, no, you're the right. The thing that you have to be careful about is not returning completely to where you were Yeah. because high performing teams from, from my experience are formed under extreme stress. Good teams happen when they take what they've learned under stress and apply it in a normal situations. That's hard to do because there isn't this stress of, of danger or life and death. But I think you're right to say, let's not lose what we learned, but understanding that you are going to revert back to the what, what we in the military call the garrison environment when you're no longer in combat and people are asked to salute and shine their shoes and get their hair cut and all that stuff. It's a, it's a great point and it's well taken and I just hope that we don't overshoot it because I don't think our profession's done that before. We haven't gone into a garrison mode before, at least certainly not in my career. And that's going to be a, a big adjustment. It's going to be something where I think we'll need input from people such as yourself who've done that before. What is something then as we sort of start to wrap up here? March and April, I think you came on the show in, in April and we had that incredible conversation about your, your Journal of Hospital Medicine article on crisis leadership. The thing that came out of that the most for me was the concept of the battle buddy. And that was just so meaningful and so helpful. What is something that you would like to allow people to think about now that maybe in, or, or say people in medicine or not in medicine, it doesn't matter that you're even going to allow yourself to think about that in April, you weren't prepared to, to acknowledge or give much heed to what's something now that you're willing to kind of put back on the front burner. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're almost at the point, not quite yet, because the, the pandemic is still rampant, but we're almost at the point where all of your colleagues, your physician colleagues, can really pull themselves away from from what they're doing on a daily basis. And I know you're busy as hell, not only doing these podcasts, but also serving as a hospitalist. But is there a way you can find a day to lock yourself in a room with either a glass of wine or a glass of scotch and sit down and reflect on what you learn personally about yourself in dealing with this crisis and what you saw your organization learn professionally. And then then I really think, you know, depending on where we are in the crisis and what's about to happen, if it's good, I mean, if, if it's not as bad as people are saying it's going to be, then maybe it's sooner, but it's probably going to be later. I don't know. I'd, I'd put a finger on it saying sometime in the March or April timeframe, I would hope all physicians out there would demand their organizations that they're a part of have some type of after action review where they bring everyone together and really talk over that those points we just mentioned about what did we learn? as individuals and what did we learn as a profession of of medicine that we want to hold on to and it's more than just the science it's the way we work with one another it's the way we build teams it's the way we communicate and talk with one another about problem solving it's it's what we take on in terms of our diversity and and how we each contribute to this if if Organizations don't find a way to have a couple of days where they can sit down as a whole and really determine where they want to go next. We will have missed an opportunity to learn from the most significant event that I think has happened in the profession of medicine in the last hundred years. 
there's a ton of things that I think are amazing about you and that uh, make me so happy you're my friend. <laughs> the, one of them is every time you come on the show, as we start to wind down, you lay out exactly what you're going to talk about the next time you come on the show. <laughs> that, you're, that, that I think actually, Mark, that's going to be a critical thing you will be able to help us with is A, that what you just said is vital. And I think that's really going to resonate. But we will that's going to be a skill that we'll need to learn how to do uh, yeah. and to do in a way that in medicine we're not great at, right? Giving constructive feedback in a way that is well taken as opposed to the old school morbidity and mortality reports where people right. are crying and feel terrible and want to quit and it's a, it's humiliating. Right. We're not skilled at that part and we're going to need to do it to execute on what you just called out so that we don't miss that opportunity and that's exactly why we'll have you back in like Q1, Q2 of, <laughs> of next year. That's phenomenal. Well, we'll we will talk, uh, you know, in order to do something like that and, and again, I'd say the Army has had about 50 years of practice on this when we changed our training methodologies yeah. in the seventies, but it has to do with making sure you know as professionals it requires that you have thick skins and yeah. that you can that you can take some some injuries and some cuts and peel peel some scabs a little bit and find out a better way to do things because you know it's for the greater good. And I think that we'll be in a great place to do that work together soon. This was phenomenal. This is the 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 leadership grist that is just vital for us. It's invigorating for me hearing it, and I know how it will resonate as we go forward, Mark. For all that you've done to support everybody and to take care of yourself this past year and going forward, thank you so much. It is so appreciated, and this was just an absolute treat. And and thanks for having me, Mark. And one last time, if I can say a personal thanks for all the civilian non-doctors out there for the things that the healthcare community is doing writ large for our nation, because it it has been phenomenal. And uh, we all can't thank you enough, even though sometimes some of us uh, don't do a very good job of it, if you know what I mean. That is well received. And thank you for saying it. Mark, this was a treat. Thank you. All right. Talk next time, Mark. Thank you. My thanks once again to Mark Hurtling for joining us on Explore the Space podcast. It's always a treat to have him. This was his fourth time on the show. And again, there is a link in the show notes to his previous appearances. Please do check those out. And thank you once again to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's executive MBA and executive fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thanks to all of you for listening. These are difficult days for all of us. I hope that you are finding the time to take care of yourself and that you are continuing to wear your masks, maintaining physical distancing, avoiding crowded indoor spaces. You've heard me say it before, but we will say it again until this is all over. We will be back with one more episode in 2020 that will come out next week. So until that time, take care of yourselves and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.